Before we get going with this week's show, a word from a few of our friends. Let's begin up north of the border with Woodbine. After an action-packed stakes weekend at Woodbine, more is coming on the docket as the $500,000 Woodbine Oaks for three-year-old fillies is scheduled for July 24th. Additionally, in preparation of the $1 million Queen's Plate on August 21st, the plate trial stakes for three-year-olds also takes place on July 24th. For more information, please go to www.woodbine.com. And our friends at Betmakers, fixed odds betting powered by Betmakers is back and in effect at Monmouth Park. And the early returns are fantastic with 70% of winners paying more on fixed odds than they are on the tote board. Soon, fixed odds wagering will be available throughout the state of New Jersey. This is an exciting new way to bet that really puts the power to get value in your hands. The odds you bet are the odds you get. You will continue to hear more about fixed odds betting opportunities across the In the Money Media Network, especially as we inch closer to the Haskell in just a few weeks' time. Now, on to this week's show, episode 121. My name is Matt Bernier. You can follow me on Twitter at Bernier underscore Matt. Today is Monday, July the 4th, Independence Day in the United States. The year is 2022. This is episode 121 of the podcast. However you listen, thank you for doing so. You can find the podcast basically anywhere you download your podcasts. Apple Podcasts, Spotify, SoundCloud, and themoneypodcast.com. You can also watch along over on YouTube. Search bar Matt Bernier Show. You will get this episode along with the 120 prior. As always, please rate, review, subscribe, thumbs up, thumbs down. If you're over on YouTube, make sure you make that little bell lit up. You click on it, sometimes put a little X through it. You're not going to get any notifications. If it's lit up, it's got those little kind of things out on the outside of it as if you're dinging it. Make sure that's like that because you'll get notified anytime new content is uploaded to the In The Money Media channel whether it's this show, the Players Podcast, Horse Player Happy Hour, which will be back again on Thursday, myself and PTF. We continue to have good turnouts there. If you haven't played, please do so. If you haven't watched, please do so. Come along with us. It's on the In The Money Media social feeds. It's on Breeders' Cups' YouTube channel as well as their social feeds. Uh, and we just chop things up for an hour and follow along with the contest. It's a good time, and it goes to a good cause helping Thoroughbred Aftercare. So please get down with that. Uh, got back from Louisville Sunday afternoon. Uh, big weekend of performances, and that's this show is going to be brief because it is the holiday, and uh, I want to go to the beach with my family. But I, I mean, it needs to be acknowledged some of the things that we saw this weekend, specifically from a classic division standpoint. Now, what I I think the easiest way for me to tie it all together, Uh, I'm one of the folks who votes for the Breeders' Cup Classic Top 10 rankings that are released each week. And the first week for me, uh, to be fair, the first few weeks, probably right through the Whitney, where we at least get one run or one race for most of the horses that will comprise the Classic the first weekend in November at Keeneland. Uh, So the first one, two, maybe even three or four, and again, if we're going to go right through the Haskell, first five or six uh, rankings for me, are going to be very fluid. There'll be names changing depending on how things go. Uh, But headed into this week, after what we saw from Olympiad and the Stephen Foster, after what we saw from Life is Good in the Nehru, after what we saw from Charge It in the Dwyer, things changed pretty dramatically for me. So my top 10 for this week is Flightline, Country Grammar, 
Olympiad, American Revolution, Early Voting, Epicenter, Hot Rod Charlie, Life is Good, Jack Christopher, Charge It. The reason I have some of the faster horses toward the bottom is I have questions about their distance ability. How far do they really want to go? Some of the horses at the top, I don't really have that concern. Maybe they're a little bit slower than others, but I'm thinking mile and a quarter at Keeneland the first Saturday in November. So that's just my opinion for this week, and it will probably change next week, or it'll certainly change once we get to the Haskell. Maybe Jack Christopher can't get the distance. Maybe he runs a hole in the wind. Uh, maybe early voting comes back and runs a giant race at Monmouth. Maybe somebody else does something. Who knows? That'll also be the weekend, I believe, of the Jim Dandy, where you'll see Epicenter, and you'll see Zandon, you'll see some of these other horses. So it's a fluid thing for me, and I'll be curious to see what the rankings look like this week and going forward. You can always find that over on breederscup.com. But taking those three horses, or let's say the races that they ran in, into consideration, because I've added American Revolution to my uh, top 10, and I, I assume he will crack the top 10 this week. That's just a guess. Unfortunately, Mo Donegal, for those of you that didn't see that, he's going to be out for a prolonged period of time. It sounds like possibly the rest of the season with bone bruising. So I removed him. He was part of my top 10 last week. Uh, no longer there. But it made me think when some of these figures and some of these performances were coming together on Saturday and looking at the figs that have come out for them, where we are right now in the first weekend or the first week of July, this has the potential, in my opinion, and let me know if you agree or disagree beneath the video player on YouTube or on Twitter at Bernie or underscore Matt, and I will give you sort of the, the rationale why I feel this way. I, this has the the potential to be the best Breeders' Cup Classic in at least the last five years. And I say five years specifically because I've gone through the last five Breeders' Cup Classics, and I'll use some data points, and maybe you don't agree with them, but this is how I'm kind of drawing this conclusion. And I would venture a guess as to say that this probably goes much deeper than five years, could be 10 even 15 or 20, and maybe I'll do that in some, uh, you know, on a day where there's a little bit more time available. But I gotta get this thing recorded and cranked out. When you go through and look at the speed figures, and, and I, I cherry picked some of the best from some of the more recent races, but I went through and took the last three races prior to the Breeders' Cup Classic for the entire field from 2021 through 2017. And if you go through and average them all out, you're going to get... The numbers are pretty close, but there are some decided differences. And I was just curious, based on what we've seen from some of these horses this year, again, the first week of July, where would they stack up if the race were run tomorrow? Acknowledging, and I think this is the thing that really in my head anyway, gets me very excited. And I know, look, if you're going to bitch about the, the short fields that we've seen, it's a valid gripe, I understand. But I'm also not just a gambler, but I I like to see great performances and great sporting events. And from a talent standpoint, right now, this is shaping up to be as good a Breeders' Cup Classic group as we've seen in a long time. If you go back to 2017 quickly to run through the order of finish or I, and I say order of finish I can't say that definitively because there are some horses that ran in the race that didn't have enough figs for me to come up with two or three 
whether they came from overseas or whatever the case may be. Gunrunner collected West Coast, War Story, Arrowgate, Gunavera, Mubtahish, Pavel, Win the Space. Uh, I mean, we have multiple 114 plus buyer speed figures in this grouping. Uh, Gunrunner had a 115, Collected had a 115, uh, Arrowgate had a 114 and a 119. Again, with the idea of using the three runs leading into the Breeders' Cup, knowing that there are faster races for some of them in the past. And conversely, some of them were coming up to the race in their absolute best form that they had ever seen. If you averaged all those together, you got a 102.6. It's not an exact science, but to give you an idea of your top heavy with some of them. And then you get War Story, who had a 94, a 92, and a 102 in his three leading into the race. And you had even Gunavera, a 104, an 86, and a 94. You had Pavel, who was consistent. 104, 103, 92. He's probably not a great example, but compared to the top end with Gunrunner at 115, 112, 110, uh, collected at 115, 111, 104, West Coast 107, 108, 100. You get the picture, hopefully. 2018. Accelerate, Gunavera, Thundersnow, Yoshida, Mendelssohn, Lone Sailor, West Coast, Discreet Lover, Axelrod, Pavel, Mind Your Biscuits, McKinsey, Catholic Boy. If you put all those together and average them out, you get a 99.8. Okay, so slightly less than the year before. I say slightly, almost three full points. Much to do with you didn't have the high end for that group. That was a group that was very consistent in sort of the high 90, low 100 range. Very few of them really dialed up a fastball that would have hung with the the best of 2017 accelerate certainly belonged in there he went 100 115 111 leading into it uh west coast went 97 117 112 leading into it purely on numbers mind your biscuits was consistently fast but he didn't have the the way top end 108 104 109 you get the picture there so i would say all around a very consistent group but you did have sort of the you know, the ones who would have had a hard time kind of anywhere. Axelrod, a 104, a 92, and a 94. Lone Sailor, an 88, an 86, and an 84. Gunavera, again, 98, 85, 101. Little bit light on numbers, and you saw where he finished in that run prior, behind Gunrunner and Collected in West Coast in War Story and Arrowgate. 2019. Vino Rosso, McKinsey, Higher Power, Elate, Math Wizard, Seeking the Soul, Code of Honor, Yoshida, War of Will, Owendale, Mongolian Groom. The figs I used averaged out to 99.4. So of the five years prior to you know the theoretical 2022 race, 99.4, this would have been the weakest group. Uh, on the high end, you had McKinsey with 108, 111, 107 leading into the race. Vino Rosso, 106, 100, 105. Consistent, but not overly fast. Uh, Elate, 97, 104, 102. But you had a number of horses that lived in sort of the mid to high 90 range. Math Wizard, 99, 82, 94. Seeking the Soul, 98, 82, 104. You did have some other, you know, quality runners. Code of Honor, 106, 105, 97. Yoshida, 105, 108, 91. But then you had War of Will, 96, 91, 78. Owendale, 
And granted, that 78 brings it down a little bit. If you take that out of the sample size, you probably do get bumped up close to, heck, let's just do it on the fly right now. You take the 78 out, that gets you to a 100.1. So that puts them over the 2018 class. Again, we're, we're splitting hairs here. You can you can tweak some of these numbers however you see fit, but you get the idea. Owendale, 97, 98, 99. Mongolian Groom, 110, 199. The next year, which I had off the top of my head thought would be among the best Breeders' Cup Classics in recent memory. Authentic, improbable, global campaign, Tacitus, maximum security, tis the law, by my standards, Tom's detat. If you take those horses and at least two of their best runs leading into it, I omitted one from global campaign because it was a extremely slow bit of an outlier he was picking things up as he got better and closer to the breeders cup that averaged out to a 103.3 authentic paired up 105s leading into his victory improbable was consistently good 108 106 105 uh, global campaign 104 101 tacitus was the model of consistency he was going to run 100 basically 101 101 100 and if you went even farther back i think he went 96 100 100 101 something like that uh, maximum security, 101, 107, 101. Tis the law, 103, 109, 100. Uh, by my standards, 102, 103, 102. Tom's day top, 102, 109, 101. So that was a, a consistently good group. But you didn't hear any teens in there. You didn't hear the, the war the war stories. You didn't hear the arrogates or the gun runners or the accelerates that could dial up a 110 or a 115. They were all in the high 100 range. Last year, in hindsight, a little bit better than I even gave it credit for. It was a good group, but if you averaged out some of the numbers, they're actually slightly faster than that 2020 group. My heart of hearts, I don't think they were as good as that 2020 group. For what it's worth, of these five that I'm talking from 2021 to 2017, I think the Keeneland race at, in 2020 was the best top to bottom. But Nick's Go, Medina Spirit, Essential Quality, Hot Rod Charlie, Art Collector, Tripoli, and Max Player. Nick's Go, 104, 111, 113. He had that high-end fastball. Medina Spirit, 107, 194. Essential Quality. He was a fast horse. 107, 98, 109. Hot Rod Charlie. I can say what I want about him, that maybe he's not the, you know, he's not going to go out there and just destroy you at all cost, but he's fast. 111, 102, 108. Art Collector, 107, 103, 103. Tripoli, now we see a little bit of a drop-off, 95, 104, 100. And then you see Max Player at 102 and 101. So it was a good group. Again, some of the numbers were omitted to actually try to pump the numbers up some. But I'm saying all this to bring us to 2022. And the first week in July, and so much can happen between now and the Breeders' Cup. We have months and there will be many opportunities for these horses to run, which also means, unfortunately, whether it be training or racing, there are opportunities for them to end up getting sidelined, which could dilute this race some. But what gets me excited is there are three-year-olds in here that, even if they don't improve, would stack up comparably to some of the... Let's call them also-rans in other Breeders' Cup Classics. And I, when I say also-rans, I'm not talking about the ones that are picking up the rear of the field. Somebody has to run last. But third, fourth, fifth kind of finishers. 
And this is in July, the beginning of July. What I did was I took the top 10 from the first week of the Breeders' Cup Classic rankings, and then I added in a couple horses that I have included, and then I even threw in two others just to sort of round out a field, more or less. Flightline, Country Grammar, Life is Good, Hot Rod Charlie, Mandaloon, Olympiad, Epicenter, Early Voting, Jack Christopher, Charge It, American Revolution, Zandon, and Taba. Now, full disclosure, for Charge It and Taba, I took out the Kentucky Derby. Because Charge It earned a 63 and Taba earned a 77. But, but aside from those two... I took either the last three runs from all these horses, and again, caveat, the horses that ran in the Middle East, there are no buyers for them. So we've used the races sort of around those, which actually could, in theory, bump up some of the performances. Because Country Grammar, I'm going back to his runs in California last year, not his two in the Middle East. But the point. Flight line, 112, 118, 114. We know his top end is as good as we've seen in some time. Right there with the gun runners and the arrow gates. Country grammar, again, these two figs from last year, 106 and 108. There's no fig for the Dubai World Cup. There's no fig for the Saudi Cup. I'm going to guess they're at least that, if not slightly better. Life is good. I've taken out the Dubai World Cup, which certainly could bring him back a little bit, but not a ton. 112 with that Nehrud, 110, 109. Hot Rod Charlie, 104, 107, 111. There's no Dubai World Cup in there. There's no Al Maktoum Challenge in there. Those would two, be two races that are up there. Mandaloon, 98 that we saw on Saturday. It just frankly, flat out, he didn't run well. He didn't run well in Saudi Arabia either. That would certainly be a bad number. But prior to that, a 106 at the fairgrounds and a 102. Olympiad, arguably the star of the weekend. In my opinion, of the three major performances that we saw from Life is Good, Charge It, and Olympiad, I think Olympiad's was the best. He was that close to a hot pace. And no, I'm not going to do the deep dive into the three races. I would just be sitting here saying nothing but positive things. They were brilliant, all three of them. But for Olympiad to be as close to the pace as he was and still have the finish that he did, proper racehorse, big time, big time. So the 111 buyer, you know, time form US, I believe uh, 135, somewhere thereabouts, that's pace adjusted. Again, factoring in that he was up there pushing things. 111, 103, 103. Epicenter, 102, 100, 102. Now that may not sound all that sexy, but we're, we're talking about a three-year-old who I always maintain, you, you break up these horses in their campaigns. The three-year-olds over the summer are going to take a step forward, the, the best ones especially. They are going to, to move up. I would think conservatively I'd be looking for about a five-point improvement for some of the best three-year-olds. So let's say Epicenter moves up five points. He gets up into the high 100 range, 106, 107, 108. Early voting, I've only used two of his figs because he's only run four times. 105-96. Now, I'm not suggesting early voting will jump up into a, a low one teen, but it is entirely possible with the hands that he's in for Chad Brown and the way he's run and what he's done in such a short time. Exciting prospect. 
Jack Christopher. I have no idea about the distance. I'm, I'm a little bit dubious. But he's been brilliant on the racetrack. 107, 98, 102. He's already run as fast as some of the best older horses in prior Breeders' Cup Classics. And again, I understand it's sprinting versus routing. There are, you're going to have to make some sort of, you know, assumptions with these numbers. But the point is he's fast. Charge it. 111. Runs a hole in the wind. Is still green as grass. Doesn't know what he's doing yet. And he's still wickedly good. Omit the Kentucky Derby. 93-93. Both of those numbers were included in this sample. American Revolution. I'm not done with him yet. I thought he ran really. He ran a winning race in Louisville. I have no problem picking a horse like that, like I did on Saturday. Him running that race and just getting beat by a better horse. And I thought the ride that Luis Saez gave him was perfect. I love that he was up there. I thought he was going to be close to the pace. And when they all lined up, Luis said, "Fine, let him, we're going to pull back. Let you guys go." And he came with his run, and he just got beat by a better horse on the day. He's only run twice this year. I think there's still more from American Revolution, especially at a mile and a quarter. 108, 94, 105. That is not including his 108 in last year's Cigar Mile. And the two others that I threw in just to round out a field, let's call it a field of 12. Zandon, 98, 98. Theoretically ready to move forward. He's paired up buyer tops in his last two. And Taba. I've eliminated the Kentucky Derby, the two runs prior, a 102 and a 103 buyer. If you go through and you average those numbers out right now, the first week in July, you get a 104.3. That would make this already the best group for a Breeders' Cup Classic in the past six years. And I venture a guess to say it would stack up favorably over the past 10, 15, 20 without having gone any farther back past 2017. I think this is an extremely exciting group of horses. I understand the gripes about some of the short fields that we've seen. I, I do, and I, the folks that say this is purely a gambling game, I, I can't. I don't have a, a good answer for you, and I'm not going to give you something that's going to make you happy. Um, I'm. It is a gambling game, but I also look at it as a sporting event, and we've got a really good group, possibly. Acknowledging that anything can happen. We can get horses sidelined. We can have regressions. Some of these horses won't hold their form. X, Y, and Z, whatever it may be. But I only rattled off 12. I, I have a few other names written down, and I don't think they're superstars, but Happy Saver. He's capable of a triple-digit buyer. Express Train, triple-digit buyers. Stiletto Boy, triple-digit buyers. Messier, I think he's capable of a triple-digit buyer, at least. He's done it once already. Oh, and then the Derby winner, Rich Strike, who earned a triple-digit buyer. So this has the potential to be not just one of the deepest fields, but a deep field that has high-end talent. And now I've, all, I've, I've kind of talked myself into, either later on tonight or sometime on Tuesday, going through and going deeper than these past five years because if this feel and i can't stress it enough if they all get there in one piece and they all maintain this form or if the three-year-olds improve it's a totally different game uh i think this has the potential to be one of the best breeders cup classics in a long long time if not ever let me know your thoughts beneath the video player on youtube or on twitter at bernie or underscore matt 
Again, however you listen to this thing, thank you for doing so. Many ways to find the pod, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, SoundCloud, and themoneypodcast.com. And over on YouTube, search bar map burner your show. You will get this episode along with the 120 prior. We'll be back again Thursday with another edition of Horse Players Happy Hour. Again, sign up over on horseplayers.com. Myself, PTF, you know the drill. We'll be putting things out on our social media platforms. Uh, have a happy and safe 4th of July. Nobody blow any fingers off. Fireworks dangerous. Be safe. Uh, until next Monday. Best of luck, however you play, whatever you play, wherever you play. This is the holiday edition, episode 121 of the Matt Burnley Show. <laughs>